Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. Hey, everybody, excited to have our next guest, Gabe Lett. Gabe currently serves as the Director of Marketing for Algier Martin & Associates, a civil and electrical engineering firm. He has published the AEC Professionals Guidebook, which helps strengthen design and construction professionals' careers. He has presented at both the Society of Marketing Professional Services and the American Waterworks Association conferences. We will put the link to the AEC Professionals Guidebook in the show notes. Gabe Lett, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, BJ. I appreciate it. Happy New Year. How are we doing? Doing well, man. New Year's underway and we're just starting to click along. There you go. We're uh, same here. We're uh, shaking off the fog of, of the Christmas break and getting, getting back to work. Um, great to have you on the show. We start every show kind of understanding your background and what led you to Algier Martin & Associates and what, what led you to becoming the director of marketing. Um, what got you interested in the industry? What was your first job? Where did, where did the interest start out and come from? Sure. So, um, like many marketers in this industry, the, the path to marketing and AEC is, uh, always a new, new story. Everybody has a different story and a different path. And mine was that my father, uh, is a civil engineer. And he actually started his own firm uh, here in Joplin, Missouri, back in 1979. Um, and so while I was a youngster, he was getting a, an engineering and land surveying business off the ground, doing mostly residential subdivision work. And then they started getting into municipal public works. Well, as a teenager, my uh, primary job in the summers was working on land surveying crews. So that was my first introduction into this world of architecture, engineering, and construction was working as a land surveyor. And um, I worked that job enough to know that I did not want to do it for a living. <laughs> and whatever side of your brain has to click for the engineering and the design side of, of the industry also did not click for me. So I actually initially went into uh, humanities, both in uh Christian vocational ministry, but then also in uh, professional counseling, psychological counseling. So I did that for a little while early in my career. And while I was doing that, my dad's business was growing and having success. And he would ask me to do little marketing tasks for him occasionally. Uh, he just figured since I was a people person, uh, marketing should come pretty naturally for me. So I would go to conferences and represent the company. Um, at those conferences and occasionally uh, if my caseload slowed down on the counseling side of things, he'd have me run around the, the area in the Midwest and go talk to mayors and public works directors and city engineers and just tell them about uh, his company, Tri-State Engineering. So I kind of slow walked it in, into marketing, kind of just doing part-time gigs here and there for my dad. And then uh, in 2008, I think it was late summer, of 2008, um, my dad and his management team had the foresight of seeing the, the 
big economic downturn that was that was coming that we all know hit late 2008 and then hit real heavy into 2009. And he said, I would really like for you to consider doing this marketing full time because we're going to have to really increase our footprint just to stay even, just just to keep revenue coming in because the work that you know we normally get isn't going to be there. And so we need somebody to help us with that, which um, so I considered that and I said, well, I'll give it a year, dad, and I'll kind of switch and do full time marketing and business development and part time counseling. And so that's what I did. And I've never looked back. Um, <laughs> I've been doing full time marketing and business development in one form or another since then. Uh, the short story, my dad's firm was purchased by a larger company after he retired. Um, I worked for that company for a couple years in business development. And then Algar Martin, this is what brings us back out to where I am now, was mostly my career competitor. Um, so, but also it was a friendly competition. My dad had actually worked for Algar Martin from 1973 to 1976 uh, as an EIT. And so um, we always had you know, connections and relationships back to Algar Martin, even though we competed against them more than any other firm. And so uh, when it wasn't working out for the firm that had purchased uh, my dad's firm, Algar Martin came knocking and said, we need somebody to help us shape up our marketing. And so that's where I've been for the last four years. Awesome story. And I, I can only imagine that the Christian vocational counseling uh, beginnings taught you to listen to what people have to say and what their problems are. It's true. It's true. It did. And it's, it's interesting by my natural personality. Um, listening is not a natural strength of mine. It's hmm. something I had to learn how to do well. And because I had to be intentional about it. Um, I, I, under, I think I understand it a little better. You know, some people are natural listeners. They don't have to work at it very hard. I had to work at it. <laughs> so, it yeah. So, so while we're on that topic, what were some of the tips or tricks to becoming a better listener? Um, I think one of the things is staying focused on not just the person's content of what they're saying, just not just the words, but what their body language is telling you, what their facial expressions are telling you, what's the tone in their voice. When do they pause? When do they look around? When do they look uncomfortable? When do they look confident? So really listening has a lot to do with being in the same room with somebody. Um, right. But, but there's so much that goes into understanding where a person's coming from because the content of their message oftentimes uh, does not match what their body language and their, and their tone and their facial expressions are saying, which is communicating something to you. Right. Um, I have to ask, at some point in time, you made the decision that you were ready to take on the project of writing your own book. Talk to us about where the book came from. How did you, how did you end up putting it together um, and, and what you hope people get out of it? Sure. So this is an interesting book in that I didn't know I was writing it when I was writing it. <laughs> and, he, and so it kind of wrote itself. And what I mean by that is when I started at Augur Martin four years ago, um, by their own admission, the leadership said, we're probably a good decade behind in our marketing efforts for our firm and we need to get caught up. And so part of the reason they hired me on was, was to get us caught up. And so as I was thinking, I think it was in the first two or three months of after being hired, 
I was trying to think of ways to increase the level of marketing knowledge and marketing practice within the firm as a whole. So it's not just dependent on a small group of, you know, marketers, two or three, you know, in this marketing team, but that there would be more of a culture of marketing and business development that, you know, over time, you know, would be realized within the company. And so one of the one of the things I decided to do is start writing a Monday marketing email tip. So every Monday morning, all the people in the company that had any client facing responsibility would get a marketing email tip. And it was a brief, you know, usually three, 400, 500 words max, just little tip on could be anything from writing skills to project management to marketing or business development, even just professional development, just personal professional development. The very first one I ever wrote was why we don't double space after a period anymore. Uh, because I was getting so much content that had double spaces in it. It's like, we don't write on typewriters anymore. We're writing in <laughs> word processing software that doesn't require a double space after the period. That was the very first one that I, that I wrote and it got such good feedback and I got such good um, conversation out of it from the guys in the office and the ladies in the office. You know, when did they learn? How did they learn? And why don't you double space the period? It was just such a good wealth of conversation, I thought, man, I think I've struck something here. So I just kept writing them Monday after Monday after Monday. I get a hundred or so Mondays down the road. And one of the guys says, have you ever thought about publishing these? No, I really hadn't. <laughs> uh, never even occurred to me. So I started looking through them and kind of uh, lumping them into, into major topics. And I realized I was writing basically about six major topics. And so that actually forms the book. I put, I picked my, my favorite lessons, my 70 favorites that I thought were the strongest, um, kind of adapted them a little bit to more of a, a general audience rather than the specific engineers there at Hallgar Martin and set out to publish it. How, how has it been uh, received? I think pretty good. Um, I've been enjoying um giving it out at certain conferences and things and having people talk to me about it. And um, those that I've probably had more marketers buy it than anything, because that's just the yeah. people I run around with. Um, I think one of my favorite reactions I got was from a new project manager uh, with a construction company in uh, Oahu, Honolulu, Oahu, Hawaii. A young guy in his 20s just started in project management for a construction firm. I think it's a commercial construction firm and somehow came across my book. And I, don't, I, I still haven't got the story <laughs> as to how in the world he came across it. But he, he messaged me on LinkedIn and just said, hey, I really appreciate a lot of these lessons. This is just so much stuff here that they didn't teach me in college and, you know, things that are so important to my job that I just didn't know. And he's like, I really appreciate you putting it together. So that that was a great reaction from somebody that I had no idea that I was writing to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome to see the impact. Do you have a favorite lesson in the entire book? Oh, what? Just one? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of the lessons, uh, and this may be helping to transition us a little bit, but it's lesson number 43. And um, lesson 43 in the book is titled Responsiveness, the Secret Sauce. And right. it's a story about when I was still at Tri-State Engineering with my dad. My dad was the CEO. And he would have a project manager's meeting once a month. 
And one of the things I remember that he started, that he implemented, he told all of his project managers, I want you to write a letter to all your active clients once a month, just giving them a basic status report on where you're at on their project. What's been done that month? What's been billed? How much money's left? What do you plan on doing next month? You know, are there any holdups? What are those holdups? Um, just giving them a status report, basically. And I'll never forget, just a couple months into that, we were going through that. And one of the project managers said, well, I, I, there were two clients I didn't write letters to. And my dad said, well, why, did, why didn't you write them a letter? He said, well, I didn't do anything on their project this month. It's, it's with a regulatory agency. We're waiting to hear back from them and we haven't heard back from them. So nothing's happened on their project this month. So I didn't write them anything. My dad, in his calm but very direct way, said, that's exactly why you need to write them a letter. You need to <laughs> let them know that you're still waiting on the agency and when you expect to hear from them and why hasn't anything been done. And, you know, just to keep them uh, informed, you know, just to keep them well informed as to where their project is. And something about that stuck with me in a, in a marketing way. You know, it's like, hey, there's a lot of firms out there that probably don't do this. You know, they probably take the project, they get the contract signed, and then they do their work. And then eight months later, they look up, the, the clients paid all their invoices or not, and they have a work product that they deliver to them, their deliverables. Meanwhile, the projects or the, the, the client's been in the dark for six, seven, eight months, not really knowing where the engineer was on the project, just hoping for the best. Yeah, and I thought this is a this is a great point of differentiation for engineers who are willing to be responsive to their clients and answer client questions that they're not even asking, you know, and how impressive is that to keep a client so well informed and so on tune with what you're doing for them that they don't have to ask the question, you know, why was this bill so much more this month than last month? Well, right. if you're doing good responsive work as an engineer, they shouldn't have to ask that question. They should know before the invoice even hits their accounting department. So I, I'll, I'll never forget that one. That was a great lesson to learn from my dad. I think that's an awesome one. And it opens up the line of communication, which it, I think the genius of that is as a business owner, as a CEO, your dad was forcing your project managers to communicate. And it was almost like they were holding themselves accountable by having to say, what did I do this month for this client? And proactively lean into like, hey, there's actually issues going on here or, or not. Um, so there's there's some, I think, uh, ulterior genius to, to that outside of the uh, outside of the marketing or the communication and client responsiveness. It's it's kind of creating self accountability inside the machine. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you, you bring up your dad and I can't help but think how much of your exposure to his business, maybe at the kitchen table, maybe in your summer internships. Uh, that that influenced, you know, your your awareness of the industry and maybe maybe your knowledge or your confidence level coming into the industry, because not a lot of marketers get that exposure or you know they they kind of somehow some way have a communications degree or a marketing degree and and end up in a professional services firm and they're kind of learning the industry on the fly. You kind of learn the industry growing up and and you know matched it with. A communication or an ability to, to to talk to people. How many other lessons or, or 
you know, what's your reaction to how much that influenced uh, or influences your confidence level? Yeah, I, I definitely, I didn't realize it when I became a full-time marketer, but now that, you know, I look back on it, I realize how much I did learn about specifically the engineering world, uh, civil engineering through doing land surveying work in the summer times. You know, I actually got to see physically something being built, pipes going into the ground, you know, um, sites being graded and dirt being moved. And, you know, I got to actually witness a lot of that and understand kind of the end product of what these guys were doing behind a computer and using their math and science skills to be able to get to that point. And so connecting those dots early, I think was, was helpful. And I'm naturally an inquisitive person. So even as a teenager, I just, I asked a lot of questions, you know, why are we doing this? Or, you know, why do we have to, you know, go all the way back to this point, you know, to shoot this point? Or why do we have to, you know, what's the end goal here? Like, what, what is this going to be? And because I asked a lot of questions, I learned a lot. Um, you know, not everybody was always happy to, you know, answer my questions. I think some of them found <laughs> it a little annoying. Um, but there were other guys in the industry. You were the boss's kid. They obliged. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, ah, oh, we got to answer this kid's question again. But there were some that were happy to answer those things because they enjoyed their. Those were the guys that really enjoyed their jobs. They love their work. You knew the difference. Um, yeah. You know the difference between the engineers who love what they do and the engineers who just can't wait to clock out at the end of the day. Um, and the engineers who love their jobs were always happy to answer my questions and and teach me, you know, whatever it was I was asking about. Well, I, I took that into what I do now as a marketer, what I encourage any marketer to do, even if they've never been exposed to their to, to their architecture firm or to the construction company or the engineering firm. I mean, my own daughter's working for a construction company right now as a marketing coordinator. And some of the best advice I've given her is ask to go out on job sites, you know, supervisors, you know, even though it's not in your job description, ask to go out on the job and ask questions while you're out there. Why, are, why is this here? Why are we doing that? Why is this before this? Just start asking and learning about the construction industry, because if you're going to sell that, if you're going to market that, you need to know what in the world you're marketing. You, you're going to have to customize a resume at some point in time, and you have to understand the difference between one project type versus another project type. You have to be able to uh, customize project descriptions and, and case studies to you know one client's problem versus another client's problem. So if everybody didn't hear Gabe loud enough, marketers get out of the office, get out from behind the desk, and go look at what projects are going on in the field. And talk to the project managers, talk to the engineers, because you can't interview somebody over a phone and really get a feel or, or a richness of their expertise or, or their resume just by putting bullets down uh, and editing a resume. But going out and like understanding where an engineer's career path has been and you, you will just you'll get that much more confidence in who the professionals are in your organization and how smart they are and how much they can help a problem. And it makes you a better marketer because you're like, these people are freaking smart that I'm working with. Like Absolutely. they know how to solve some problems. Right. And I think you're, you're that much stronger of a business developer when you're that much, one, you understand a client's problem from both the, the you know, construction perspective or the engineering perspective and the client's perspective, but you're that much more confident in the product that you're, you're selling 
uh, because our people are our our brand, our people are our product. Well, and I think it cuts both ways. I've I've done this long enough now where I've got engineers who like for me to go on site visits with them. Uh, you know, before we're before we're putting a proposal together on a project, and they like for me to go on those site visits because I. I see things and I ask questions that they don't think about and it teaches yeah. them better business development skills, right? As an engineer. And I'm learning, you know, the other way of the street is I'm learning from those engineers. They're asking certain questions that I wouldn't have asked, but I'm learning, oh, that's because they're thinking of this project more in a logical, how's this going to get done? What's the schedule? You know, what's right. the budget? Technical delivery. Right. Do we have enough money to get this thing done for you? So it's it's a it's a very good symbiotic relationship between marketers and I, I keep saying engineers because that's that's what I'm used to. I, I, yeah, I understand technical but, um, professionals. But you can both learn from each other, uh, and and when you do that, you you keep getting invited to do those kinds of things, going on those site visit trips, you know, going to a client meeting, um, you know, going to a presentation when you're being interviewed. You may not say anything, but they just want you there because. They feel more comfortable because you're the people person and you're going to like network and get everybody introduced to everybody else. And that just takes a lot of pressure off of them. Yeah. Yeah. So project managers, engineers, bring the marketing team with you. Marketing team, advocate for yourself. Get out there in the field. Go see the projects. Absolutely. Um, and take your camera. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Uh, switching gears a little bit. You, you mentioned you have a, a daughter that's in the industry. What else keeps you busy or, or are you passionate about outside of the office? Are you, are you still involved at all in counseling or anything else um, that you, uh, you're doing? Yeah, I still do um, part-time counseling. I, I structure my work week so that I'm done by noon on Friday with my marketing role. And then I usually, I usually keep about two or three clients. Uh, I do virtual counseling now because the pandemic, that's just kind of blown up into a whole new style of, of providing hmm. therapy for people. So I still keep that sharp. I still keep my license active that way. And uh, I'd say outside of marketing for AEC, um, another passion of mine is, is obviously, obviously still Christian theology. Um, I started in, in vocational Christian ministry, and I've never really let go of that in terms of my interests. So I love reading books on theology. I love, um, I, I'm an elder at my church. Like I still, I'm still very actively involved in, in Christian ministry. So I'd say that's a, a very close, uh, passion of mine as well. Awesome. So next question is favorite or, or must read book. And it doesn't have to be, uh, an AEC one. It will obviously reference yours, but, uh, <laughs> theology or otherwise? Well, I, I'm going to, because of the nature of the podcast, I'm going to stick with with our industry and, and some of my favorite books I've read for marketing uh, AEC. But my, my top, my favorite one has to be Rainmaking by Ford Harding. Um, I just think that's just a, a classic. I, I would, if I were teaching a business development class, a college level business development class for any professional service, you know, law, accounting, engineering, any of the, you know, 
I would say this is the textbook, Read Rainmaking by Ford Hardy. Um, and then two other ones that I really like a lot are The Collapse of Distinction by Scott McCain. I think especially in our in our industry, distinction is rare. We all sound yeah. alike and look alike, which is not doing any of us any favors. Good marketing <laughs> means you have to differentiate. And so The Collapse of Distinction is a great one. And then um, a third one would be Story Brand uh, by Donald uh, Miller. Um, being able to tell the stories of your projects uh, is much more compelling than the technical design dynamics of it. All right. Since you gave me three, I, I need a theology one. Just because oh, okay, we okay. touched on the topic. I need, I, I need it. Okay. I would say uh, the classic by John Piper called Desiring God. And I say it's a classic because um, so much of John Piper's ministry is centered on the concept of God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I just, hmm. that's like one of my favorite all time quotes. I can't get away from it. And I, I love the book. Which leads to the next question. Quotes. Yeah. Quotes. Yeah. Well, Was that, that it? Yeah, that one obviously is my favorite. God's most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Um, I think, you know, I'm not a big quotes guy, to be honest with you. Um, I don't remember things verbatim, so I always am afraid to, to mention a quote because I know I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my strongest quote that I go to a lot is lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And I have no idea I, who said it first. I, I, I don't either, but that is the classic marketing department's quote. <laughs> Isn't it though? <laughs> hey, we got this proposal. We got this proposal due tomorrow. I need you to crank it out. Right. When did we get this? Two weeks ago. Well, <laughs> why are you coming to me now? Yeah, not my emergency. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be? What would you do? Oh, man, I love I love this question. And this is going to reveal things I've already said about, like, just theology and then just practical stuff. But my, my two uh, would be C.S. Lewis, who was probably the greatest Christian apologist of the 20th century. Um, and what I'd love to do is just sit down and have a pint of beer and talk theology. <laughs> Uh, yeah. He seemed to do that a lot and enjoy that a lot. He liked to smoke his pipe and, and drink a beer and talk theology with all of his colleagues. And I thought, man, just to sit down and be able to do that would be fantastic. Um, what what What's it a pint of? Uh, probably Guinness, because that's where we'd be. That, that'd be the all hallmark, right. you know, the, the Irish beer. Um, and then... Uh, As on five days in a dry January, you, you bring up a pint of beer. <laughs> <laughs> of course I would. Well, and bringing up beer and Christian theology in the same sentence is always fun too, right? <laughs> Let's see. A second person would be the Apostle Paul, you know, who wrote so many books in the New Testament. I think, but I, you know, what would be interesting is actually getting in a sailboat and sailing the Mediterranean with him, where, where he went when some of his first few missionary journeys. Um, and kind of retrace those steps with him and just just talk with him about the things that were going through his mind as you know he was going bringing bringing the gospel to the Gentiles that would be a fascinating conversation marketing uh, yeah and then finally the third which is totally going off the theology theme is Michael Jordan 
And uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm of an age where I got to enjoy, you know, the prime of Michael Jordan's career when I was a young man and just so much admiration for him, not just as a basketball, you know, legend and athlete, but just a winner. Like the guy uh-huh. knew how to win. Uh, he knew how to make everybody around him the best that they could be. Um, and I'd love to just shoot hoops with Michael and ask him all kinds of questions about how do you make others around you? want to win as badly as you want to win. I, I also, I feel like I grew up in the same, same window of time to appreciate how, how good he was, how much above the game he was. Um, you know, the, the whole be like Mike Gatorade era of, right, of right. basketball and sport. So uh, you're the first one to bring up Michael Jordan on the, on the podcast. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, so his legacy is greatness. Last question is, what do you want on your tombstone? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I, I think, you know, no surprise. I think, de- you know, devoted to his faith and devoted to his fellow man. I think, you know, that's, that encapsulates what I hope people will think of when, when I'm dead and gone is that I was very devoted to my faith in God and very devoted to my fellow man. Uh, to do whatever I could to make their lives better. Awesome. And then I, I know, you know, you, you already put 70 lessons to a stronger career out in your book. Uh, but parting words to our industry marketer to engineers or marketer to young professionals, um, or marketer to clients. Um, what do you want to share with the industry? The, the floor is yours. So, Um, One of the things that has really intrigued me um, is the difficulty that we're having right now in recruiting uh, new talent into the industry. That's a common problem pretty much everybody's having to to deal with. And it seems like everybody's complaining a lot about the same thing is there's just not enough engineers in school to replace the engineers who are retiring or passing away. And yet the, the, the demand uh, for engineering is not getting smaller. It's only getting larger. So that's a, that's a problem, right? And one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is, um, you know, when you ask kids, you know, in fifth grade and sixth grade and then ninth grade and 10th grade, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you graduate high school? It's just so rare that you ever hear them say, I want to be a civil engineer or I want to be an electrical power engineer. Um, those, those answers don't come up very often. And so my thought process has been taking me to figure out how in the world can we promote this profession in a way to, to children and, and young adolescents that will get them interested in a career in the engineering and, and construction industry. Um, mm. Because, you know, quite frankly, these jobs pay very well. Um, there's very good job security in them. Uh, there's always going to be need for roads and water and sewer and flood protection and electric power and, you know, building systems. I mean, these things are just increasing in their, in their technologies and in their need. And so, you know, how in the world could I, in my short time left in this industry, really try and help promote this profession uh, to young people. Because I think that would help 
you know, start to backlog that recruiting gap that we're, we're feeling now uh, is getting more kids interested. Yeah. It's a, the war on talent, if you will, has been a, a topic of conversation. You're the first person to bring up like going even further back, um, you know, talking about grabbing people that are, you know, going into high school and, and declaring majors and early in college. We talked about college kids. We've talked about veterans transitioning and, and the infrastructure, you know, and the amount of construction and public investment we're having in the engineering and construction industry that there's there's job opportunity. But you make up a great point that how do we make it an attractive, uh, aware profession or, or industry to people? Because when you're young and you go see, yeah, I mean, young, young, I have a, I have a six-year-old son. He just turned six. You know, big trucks and construction projects are awesome. And having, you know, having your Tonka truck in the backyard or on the beach and moving sand and all of that right. is like, it's sexy. And then somewhere it becomes not so, um, or, or we're losing people in that. So I, I think that's a good, good question. And, and the people to answer are probably not the engineers, probably the marketers, uh, to figure <laughs> out how team, do we get, team. how do, how do we build awareness? Yeah. Team dynamic, you know, it's, yeah. again, it's like, it's, you're right. It's getting engineers to value what the marketers are bringing to the industry and the marketers to value what the engineers have always been doing for decades and then figuring out how do we promote these guys and what they do and these ladies and what they do and why that makes such a huge difference in your everyday life. You know, so you turn the light on, you drive down a clean, safe road. I mean, there's so many things You, you, you go across a bridge like Every day we're using systems that these engineers are designing all the time without really having a full appreciation for the work that they've done to make life so convenient for us. T- Tim Clabundy, who's who's been a guest on the podcast actually twice, he says, we get to change the face of the earth, right? We, awesome. Yeah. We, and, and that's the beauty of our industry. So I think our closing challenge, I'm going to, I'm going to articulate this and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but our our collective challenge to the industry today is marketers, how can you, you know, we, we talked about getting out in the field, get out in the field, appreciate what's going on. Once you appreciate what's going on, you get to see how cool this profession is in the field and you'll tell that story better. And engineers, we're going to go back to the, the book recommendation, Story Brand, mm-hmm. uh, Engineers, we're, we're telling you to go out and, and read story brands so you can better articulate the problems that you're solving and the projects that you're building or designing uh, and how much they impact our, our world, our, in, our economy, our infrastructure, our healthcare, our, our defense. Right. I mean, everything. We touch everything. And I think we do need to do a better job of getting that message out and getting it to to the younger generations because we're up against the sexy high tech Palo Alto, uh, you know, Googles and Facebooks and all of that. But the, the industry is not going away. Roads and highways and trains and, and airports and, and hospitals are going to have to be here. And, uh, I'm inspired by Gabe bringing up, like, we got to get to a younger generation to, to make our industry, uh, more well-known. So Gabe Lett, thanks for, uh, thanks for pushing that thinking there. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Where can people connect with you? 
my favorite place to connect on LinkedIn. Um, just such a good business, you know, networking, easy to connect with people and communicate with people. And so far, LinkedIn's done a fantastic job of keeping it business. Uh, so, yeah, my LinkedIn handle, just linkedin.com backslash Gabe Lett. Awesome. Gabe, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and we will be sure to get your pot or your uh, your book out on the show notes. Until next time, everybody, have a great week and a great weekend. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.